Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to yet another edition of Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio. I'm attempting to be R.C. Weslowski. It's a very gruff R.C. Mm-hmm. and I am yet again Pamela Bentley. Hooray! <laughs> and our guest today is Shaleen Knight. Welcome, Shaleen. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Oh, we're so glad you're here. So we like to have our guests uh, start out the show with a poem, and you are our guest. So how about a poem? Braided skin. Let me taste the Ugandan skyline where my father first opened his eyes. Kampala, let me touch the deep southern roots of my mother, where she first opened her eyes. El Paso, sun hits angled glass, spitting confusion into dark eyes, mean eyes, tired eyes. Eyes of different cities, my skin holds shades that change when the weather is good. Skin that carries stories of missing middles, skin that asks questions questions that never get answered. No one told me about his journey of fear-soaked bodies. No one told me where I first opened my eyes. No one kept pictures of sugary days spent melting hot, dripping cones of summer. Where did my heart learn to wrap cloth? Where did my hands learn to paint skin with ink? I taught myself how to dance on carpets of pond lilies, how to slip into dresses with with braided sleeves, how to braid thick hair, how to braid thick damp hair, Hmm. and how to unbraid hair. They say I am aftershocks, pieces left behind. I am tucked under sleeves, hidden between skin folds and under fingernails. I rest between loose feathers of outlet jackets, Existing only on warm lips, cold days, and visible breath. I whisper, I haven't learned to smile yet. So you chose to read Braided Skin, which is the poem that is the same name of the collection that it's from. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the title poem. And for me, I find that that one is kind of sums up the core of the whole book. So being that Braided Skin is is more about where I come from, where my father comes from, and where my mother comes from. And I see those as three strands that kind of make mm-hmm. up who I am. Was your family a family of, uh, of stories? Like, did your parents um, pass along tales of the family? Here's, you know, my, my auntie is, or your auntie is this, or my auntie is that, and, you know, and, and mm-hmm. different traits of the family? Um, no, not so much. And I think that's why I kind of wrote the way that I did mm-hmm. to answer questions that I had 
in my own head as I only grew up with my mother, okay. who's African-American, and I didn't grow up with my dad, who was born in Uganda, but he's uh, East Indian, and his family was part of the Asian expulsion that happened in the 70s. So, I mean, I found this out a little bit later in life, like probably about in my mid-20s. I started to learn more about this, so... This provoked actually a lot of writing, a lot of questions, and then most of this kind of just flowed out of my own curiosity about learning about my my family's past. So, And now that I'm a parent as well, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter is getting to the age where she asks questions. She sure. wants to know where, where my father comes from. And <laughs> it's super important to me that I have answers to give to her. So, What was the Asian expulsion? Um, it took place in the 70s uh, in Uganda with the president, Idi Amin. At the time, he wanted an all-black Africa. So anyone who wasn't black African was, you know, asked to leave. Mm-hmm. And by asked, I mean thrown out. And, I mean, I know there were a lot of people affected by this. And a lot of people came to Canada. Mm-hmm. And some people went to England, Australia. But... My father and his family came to Canada in, in the 70s. So, mm-hmm. And they left businesses and mm-hmm. homes. And exactly. Did they leave family members behind or did everyone leave? Um, I'm not too sure, but I know for a fact that my father and his parents uh, came here. I'm not sure about aunts, uncles, and, and things like that. But I think about what it must have been like to go through that and to lose your home. And mm-hmm. even being born here, I'm still trying to find my place and where I belong and I just can't imagine mm-hmm. going through something like that. So the writing kind of just came, and it was it came fast. Okay. Like this book was written rather quickly. So, so when you when you came up with that idea of the braiding uh, skin mm-hmm. and hair and places and all those things together, um, did you know that it was going to be a book? Like you said, the book came fast. Did you know mm-hmm. that? Oh, like okay, I'm writing a manuscript that is going to hang together. Or did you have poems that you added? What was the process? Um, I I knew that I was going to write a book, but I had no idea how it was going to come together. And originally, before I started the writer's studio in 2013, I used to write a lot of fiction and short stories, and I tried to create a collection there, but it never formed. It just didn't work out, and no matter what I wrote, it came out as a poem every Mm. single time. So I'm like, okay, I have to look at this and kind of think, this is is happening for a reason. Hmm. So, and when I applied to the writer studio, I thought, oh, they're going to put me in nonfiction or fiction, and I got placed in the poetry in the poetry group, even though I did submit quite a bit of of fiction. So, that again was another flag that I need to be writing hmm. poetry. So, as soon as I got into the writer's studio and I started workshopping and just the feedback that that I was getting from my my peers and my mentors, it's just like the writing just came quick and hard and it was I tried not to question it too much I just kind of let it come out as it did and before I knew it in November I think October or November of 2013 the book was was completed who were you working with at the writer studio uh, my mentor was Jen Curran she okay. was the poetry mentor there and um, I also worked with Wade Compton who was the who is the director mm. of the writer studio see he was a huge part very, very supportive of my writing, as was Jen Curran. She was awesome. So she actually is the one that suggested that I send my manuscript to Mother Tongue Publishing. And I think Mona was interested right away. And she kind of said, hey, I'll get back to you after the holidays. And yeah. 
like she kept her word and in January she said I would like to publish your book just very simple that's and great. you know it was amazing so wow that's yeah. like you sent it to one publisher in a month mm-hmm. it, like two months later yeah. they said yes and then here just crazy. over a year later it's out mm-hmm. I was expecting to wait like six months eight months before I, I heard back but it was super fast I was excited and Oh my God, here it is. And this, I can't believe it. Yeah, congrats. And this <laughs> is your you first much. book, right? My, what is, what does that feel book. like to hold that in your hands? Because you're reading oh, right from it. Yeah, this is, I was just saying, the first time I, this is the first time I, I get to read from the book and not have a handful of scraps of paper uh-huh. that I'm shuffling through to read. So hey, it's, it's very a nice. It's a premiere. It's very, very nice. So yes. tonight you're launching this book. I am, yes. At the Cottage Bistro at seven o'clock tonight. As part of Twisted Poets, and yes. um, you have some friends that are going to be reading with you. Uh, yes, I'll be reading with Jennifer Zilm, who's an awesome, amazing poet, and Barbara Bedala, who's also really, really fantastic. And I worked with both of them at the Writer's Studio as well. Cool. Well, let's hear something else from the book. Okay, this is In the Green Room. Eyes on me, long stare up and down longer stare. Stuck in this frustrating and degrading conversation, you who won't be happy with the answer I give because your perception of blackness is completely distorted. Assumptions come to the table already orally armed, defend my skin tone, hair color, hair length, and hair texture. Isn't this one of the most multicultural mixed biracial baby breeding cities in the world? And no, you cannot touch my hair. Tangled, caught between nails of acrylic tips, rows of fish tails intertwine. A maintained fusion. Cut dead ends, then weave these tracks back like braids and plates. She oils and slick sides, pats down, then poofs up. Make up your mind. One drop rule bleeds into the blue-eyed illusion of good hair. Stressed to overprocess these tips, these roots, these plates, these locks, she dreads. Enter stage left and find the mic. Sing sweet these brown skin confessions. Brown skin, black skin, caramel-dipped skin, leathery, sunt-burnt skin, ceases to remember skin like the war-torn country skin. She breathes. Skin. Found 14 feathers in a notebook, imprinted on creased pages. Faded cover led to an ellipsis, watched eyes burn holes through layers of skin, yet never happy with these answers of ethnicity. Let's gather confessions of ebony-boned princesses. Let's steal stories of brown-skinned contessas and drown memories of her one tone. Let me pick a side. Skin. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Do you want to read another one, or do you want to talk a little bit Um, more about that? Yeah, I think... You know, that poem for for me was, it started out as a rant, kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, growing up, I've always had people question where I came from. And when I'd give them the answer, they'd ask me, are you sure? Yeah, I love that line where you say, I don't want to have this conversation because no matter what I say, it's not going to be good enough. Exactly. You've already kind of got your answer or what you want your answer to be. Yeah, I found that people already 
had their answers. So whatever mm-hmm. I said was, you know, unimportant. And when I was younger, you know, I, I did whatever I could to avoid those questions. And it, I just felt so, I guess, confused and frustrated because I talk about these things, but I myself didn't have the answers. You know, at the time, I didn't know where my father came from. So mm-hmm. how do I give answers to somebody when I myself don't even have them? So that poem started out as kind of an angry kind of a rant, but it turned into this, you know, beautiful musical type piece that I was really happy with. And that was one of the first poems that I got published in a literary magazine. So that are you was still getting cool. Are you still getting people going, can I touch your hair? Oh, uh, yeah, it still does happen. And and before when it used to just start happening, I, oh, this is a compliment. This is nice. Everyone wants to touch my hair. But over time, I'm like, what's so different about my hair versus anyone else yeah. else's hair so yeah well and plus you don't need other people's hands just exactly touching your body because exactly they like your hair <laughs> yeah. we don't want that <laughs> you've got another piece in there mm-hmm. that is how to run your hands through my hair yeah which is almost like instructions and you said that it's from the movie hustle and flow and then yeah. it's like dedicated to the director of that exactly. poem. so i was i was kind of a director of that movie i was curious mm-hmm. about like why that poem was dedicated to him and how do you see that poem i don't know mm-hmm. if it's one Let's of the ones you were going to yeah. read yeah but. i can read that one I'll, I'll tell you a bit about that one first um when i started writing that piece actually it started from a line a couple of phrases from the movie oh, that okay. really just kind of sparked something with me and I think it was by any means necessary. So it's someone, you know, that has a story to tell and wants to tell it by any means necessary. So not necessarily the way I tell my stories, mm-hmm. but that I had to get it out. And I found that when I watched that movie multiple times, I always felt like I had to write afterwards. So, mm-hmm. And then learning about the director and, and how hard he had to work to get that movie out being, you know, a white director directing this movie with mainly uh, black characters. And when I watched, you know, a documentary on how he got that film out, I was completely inspired. So this is how to run your fingers through my hair. Everyone has to contribute a verse, get it down on paper, on tape, on canvas, on napkin, on palms of hands, or on a crumpled up grocery receipt, get it down. Speak in prose, encrypted simplicity, and wrap words around words like hands wrap thighs. Let brown eyes drink the blue fragrance of voice. Dream that fragrance. Learn by any means necessary. Tell stories. Tell tales of all the mama's combing daughter's hair. Every morning, preach that pain, that tightness, that jaw-clenching fierceness that eventually causes numbness. Look up, see the light, even when it hurts to smile for days and days and days at a time. Remember stories of hair, your stories. Talk about that separate entity, that journey. What's my contribution? I'll answer questions. Do you braid? Do you do slack plates? You quick? Where you from? Let me tell you where I'm from. I'm from my softness, my texture, my smoothness, my smile. I am from my words, my syntax, my mama's skin burning hot wax. And I'm from myself. I'm from my hair, my stories, pulled, stretched, curled, loose strands, balled up and tossed. I'm from every last piece of every last breath, taken and given. I will tell stories. 
share stories, and write stories by any means necessary. So, you want to run your fingers through my hair? <laughs> That's a great answer to where you're from. Mm-hmm. I love that. that was great. Yeah. This is Shalene Knight on Wax Poetic Today on Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5. So that last piece that you read and the first piece you read on the page mm-hmm. look like prose poems. Right. And when I was reading them to myself uh, off the page, they have a, they kind of, uh, prose poems to me sort of speed along, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of, there's not, but then when you're reading them, you, you're, it's like you're putting line endings in. Mm-hmm. So what, can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, I find that when I I write poems, I like how they look on the page when they're in in prose form. Mm-hmm. But when I actually read them aloud, I change I change it quite a bit. So I know where I want to stop mm-hmm. and pause and and linger on certain words. It's just I think something that comes with with practice and something that you can't really discover until you start reading poems aloud. Yeah, for sure. Is it different yeah. every time? Every time it's different. Yeah, okay. but there's a few poems like in the green room lifeline and braided skin the title poem i had those three poems i tend to read the same every time Cause it's more like a musical thing where you know where you're gonna you've you got know the notes already. exactly and it just kind of comes natural mm-hmm. and i know where to stop and, well, and in the green yeah. room and lifeline i think is that the one you're going to read next yeah that's they, the one. they they are on the page like they have line endings mm-hmm. already indicated right yeah so that- yeah and the one i'm going to read next lifeline i actually tried to make it look like a heartbeat monitor on the ah, page, okay. which is why it kind of flows mm. in and out. So for me, this is one of those poems where it's a cool experience to read it on the page, but it's a totally different experience to read aloud and to hear it read aloud. So this is Lifeline. Pulse, the beat back. Like Nina, I want a little sugar in my bowl with cinnamon sunsets that rest at the sound of her. Pulse, the beat back. Oh, Lady Day, let me taste this strange fruit. But Lauren questions the denial of its roots. Honey-coated throat whispers say, time to get free. Coltrane composed for me my beloved Afro blue and lush life. She's a gold back hustler. Rhyme for a dollar, breath of a niece, she's mine. Dance for me, a dime. Or she sings maybe just for me, and she seals the cracks in my armor a beat pulse the blood back lyrical intravenous pulse the blood back sweet um obviously you've just listed the uh the the lifeline of the people that you listen to in music wise Mm -hmm. um are what is that I mean the poem kind of speaks for itself I don't really have a question about that but I was I was I heard on the radio the other day somebody was saying um talking about how you know um the woman who sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow Judy Garland Mm -hmm. and uh Billie Holiday were singing at the same time but Judy Garland was singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow and Billie Holiday was singing Strange Fruit and Billie Mm -hmm. Holiday could strap all the money she had on her leg and Judy Garland was rich and famous for yeah. forever, you know. So it it was uh, that there's a that there there's still that, even though that was years ago. There's still that color line almost mm-hmm. between yeah. what is 
And another, like, I was also reading the back of a cover the, the same day. I was reading the back of an album cover of blues women's recordings from the 1920s. And it was talking about how the title of the blues song would be softened when it was put out for a white audience. Mm, so, like, the blues woman would be really fierce and say something like, don't tell me no. And then over here it would be, like, the one that they would release would be, like, my man is sweet or something like that. Mm -hmm. right? so. That's so interesting. Yeah, and I think when I when I was writing that piece, it was just it was just so inspired by music, you know, past and present. But for me, it's the music has is what has gotten me through a lot of tough things in my childhood. So to incorporate any kind of music into my writing, I just knew that that was something that I had mm. to make sure that I did. But it did happen pretty naturally too. And actually, that piece kind of formed by accident. Mm -hmm. I was at work and I was shelving CDs and every single CD I grabbed was, you know, something that I liked. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should write something. And so all the songs and artists mention, mentioned in that piece are actually CDs that I had in my hand at the same time. So, Do you write to music at all? Like, or do you have to write in silence? Or um, I actually, I can do both, but I prefer to have a little bit of music behind me. And usually it's Lauren Hill, oh, yeah. her old, um, uh, the miseducation of Lauren Hill, one of her her first albums album. oh yeah i still listen to that mm. every other day <laughs> yeah it has um it has a similar kind of mix of poetry and storytelling and prose mm -hmm. as your book does mm -hmm. that album yeah it does and i find that you know if you take the music away from a lot of uh uh, songs out there today so there's no music behind it just the lyrics they can't really stand on their own so i think lauren hill is one of those few artists where you can can grab the music from behind her and just let her speak and all of her lyrics are very very poetic in their own right and they're very unique and i think that's what drew me to her music in the first place let's hear another one um this is uganda 1972 a once promising land evaporating, the people abolished, divided, and shaken by the expulsion, the elimination, the threat of an ethnic cleansing of the Indian minority hovered over Asian carpenters, mechanics, shoemakers, and tailors. The, the middlemen flail in the political winds. Minority eyes must speak. Identify yourself. Break through for Uganda. Kampala. Tombs of kabakas have woven thatched roofs that swoop to a high point above the straw laid in floors, lending a cathedral-like silence to the sacredness of the earth below, where royal attendants continually watched over the remains of their dead kings. Kampala, the arched and pillared windows were endless. Nestled behind sundown rest an Indian dialect of silks and cottons, their eyes lettered names like Patel, Desai, and Bombay Emporium. The ashes of Uganda walked many miles and carried their heads. The walk was tedious work. It took years. Now it's an image left behind. Why should we wait in line for justice? Help us begin to drink the pain of Uganda and one day replant our roots. The mountains appear at sunset and the hillsides of women flow in the breeze. The men bring comfort, but their eyes tell stories of death. In their minds, their birth. Precious jewels in a hairdo or turban confiscated, but still hear tales of escape. 
They look back on the homes they built. They look back on the tiny store their grandfather established, alone in their difficult hours, uprooted. So did you ever, you're, you're writing, like you said at the beginning of the show, about something that you didn't know about until you were in your mid-20s, mm -hmm. that you found out your father was from this history, and then you started to do research about it, mm -hmm. obviously, because you're yeah. teaching us through these poems about this moment in history. Mm -hmm. That's right. And this, this piece was actually inspired by a history book called Hitler, Idi Amin in Africa. And mm. I started reading history book after history book, and I just found the same, you know, dry telling of facts. But I thought, you know, there's a voice missing here, mm. and, and there's missing middles. And that's what I, I try to do with my writing is fill in these missing middles and these, these pieces of information that I find are so important. So this piece was actually an erasure that I did I took an entire chapter of the book and I erasured it. Oh, wow. oh, so okay. I was blacking out most of it and just leaving these key words. And I didn't, you know, rearrange the words at all. They just kind of formed on their own. So with this piece, I, I was hoping to create a voice for the people that were that went through this in Uganda. So, And when you're talking with your daughter about this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. how do you... Um, what sort of questions does she ask yeah. and, and how do you discuss you know, it with her? Yeah, she asks things like, how come I don't have a grandpa? And so I guess because he's not a big part of her life or my life, this is where I have to do double duty. So mm -hmm. I need to be, you know, the parent and the grandparent. But I think she's just more curious about things. So I slowly feed her information. She's read a ton of my writing. Not that she gets most mm -hmm. of it, but there is one poem that she's memorized, so yeah. which is pretty cool. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a learning process for me, a learning process for her as well, but I think the writing is has really helped me accept the fact that, you know, I don't have this family in my life right now, but down the road, it is a possibility mm -hmm. with time. And the more I learn, the more questions I have, and at the same time, the more answers I have. Which so your father is cool. still alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. he's he's local. He's in Coquitlam, B.C., oh, okay. but, I mean, I haven't seen him for about 10 years, right. but there's I think there's just a big disconnect there family-wise, but yeah. I know that it is a possibility, so it's mm -hmm. it's something that is on the agenda. Right. Do, you have, sure. do you have cousins and oh, lots yeah. of other things spread all over uh, the place? On my or? mom's side, I have cousins, aunts, you know, my, grand, my grandmother is here, so it's just my father's side that mm -hmm. I haven't met any anyone beside him uh his wife i've met and he has another son and daughter who i've mm. met so you have a lot of poems in there that are mama poems mm -hmm. where you're addressing a mama or somebody is addressing a mama um, some of them seem to be from your experience but then right. there are some that are also from uh, a boy's point of view that's right yeah and is that someone is that a completely imagined thing or is that someone you knew that um some of the poems are my own experience with my mother but Many of them are actually just based on fictional characters. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I've always had these characters in my head, but I never really knew how to get them out. Yeah. So I thought, well, they, they can come out in poem too. It doesn't necessarily have to be a poem about me. I can mm -hmm. still kind of yeah. bring these characters to life. And one of those ones was uh, 955 East 10th. Right. And that was a poem that was about a mother and a family, but it wasn't necessarily about me. Oh, so it's about one, the me. Dear Occupant. It's not like you actually lived in that space. Yeah, in Dear, in dear Current Occupant, that was actually right. about me. Yeah. We are actually out of time, so oh. 
people will have to come to the book launch tonight to hear that. Uh, what was it? Uh, East uh, East Ninth Avenue. Uh, 955 East 10th Avenue. Yeah, you were just about to read because mm-hmm. I think we're, we're running out of time, but we want people to t- tell people again about your book launch tonight. Uh, it's going to be tonight at 7 o'clock at the Cottage Bistro, which is just past uh, 28th and Main Street. So it's going to be awesome. So it's going to be me, Jennifer Zilm, Barbara Bedala, and there'll be an open mic session as well. It's one of the Twisted Poets put on by Pandora's Collective. Right. And then you're also reading Sunday, you said. Yeah, I'll be at the Shadbolt Community Center in Burnaby. I don't have the exact address, but that's Sunday at 7 p.m. And you're reading with a couple of other people. Yeah, well. I'll, I'll be reading with Kathy Ford, uh, myself, uh, I don't know exactly who else is reading, but it should be an awesome night. Oh, Arlene Pare is going to be reading as well. Thank well, you. Thanks for being our guest today. Ah, thank you for having me. Congratulations on the book. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Enjoy the launch tonight. I will. Thank you. Uh, announcements, other things? Uh, there's other things tonight. There's a Slamapalooza in, at Kwantlen College where they're choosing their representative for the Canadian Individual Poetry Slam Championships that happen at the end of April as part of Versus Festival of Words. Uh, Jacques Lalonde has a show this weekend, Saturday night, uh, his uh, Fringe Theatre show from last week, or last year, uh, Stroke of Luck. It's one night only, uh, 8 o'clock Saturday at the Havana Theatre, and I know there's a Poetry Slam coming up on Monday at uh, Café de Soleil, and I think it's KT Job is the uh, featured performer from uh, back east in Ontario. And you, something else? You on know? Monday, Kevin Spence will be at Hogan's Alley um, open mic um, at, um, at the corner of Gore and Union, hosted by Timothy Shea at 6 o'clock. It goes from 6 to 8, and it's done by 8. That's when the cafe closes. So, And there's going to be um, Sister Spit, which was a uh, all-female touring performance poetry troupe from uh, the 90s, has uh, gotten back together in the last few years, and they are coming to Vancouver and will be performing on the 14th at the Wise Hall Lounge. Uh, Leah Hor- Horlick is one of the organizers of that and might actually be performing at that. Uh, that'll be at 7 o'clock on uh, this coming Tuesday. Tuesday. So you want to check that out as well. So thank- those are our things that we can yeah. know of. Always lots going on. And thank you very much again for being our guest. Shalene Knight is launching her book tonight, Braided Skin from Mother Tongue Publishing. At the Cottage Bistro. Go there, go there, go there. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I'm waiting for you to say, you know, you're R.C. Wislowski. Uh, you're R.C. Wislowski. <laughs> and, and I'm Pam Bentley. And uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, no apologies necessary. It's coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what?